Eagles Entertainment. With the 25th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Fran Duffy. We've got another loaded show and a big weekend of college football coming up starting this Friday night. But uh, before we get into some of the matchups, first of all, just want to remind everybody, go on, give us a rating, leave us a review, leave us a question if you want it answered here at the end of each show. Just go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It's the number one way to support what we're doing here uh, on the Journey to the Draft podcast. So wherever you listen, just go leave us a rating, leave us a comment, and we appreciate it here from the program. But this week on the show, we're going to start things off with Saturday scouting, as we always do with Ben Fennel. He's got some notes out from the Big 12, some thoughts on what he saw out there from Oklahoma and the top six Sooners, and also get a sense of where he's going. He's going into Big Ten country here this week in college football. Then we will transition to this week's Mr. Relevant. I'm catching up with one of my favorite people in America that cover the college game, and that's Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Dane and I uh, love our having our conversations, talking about prospects. He gives us a lot of info on some sleepers that you need to know as we get closer and closer to the pre-draft process. And then we go into Draft Buzz with Tony Pauline, get the word on the street around some of the top names in college football. I'm going to give you my notes on a Texas wide receiver, Devin DuVarnay, a guy that I've been pretty high on coming into the season, has really bounced up uh, with a huge performance here as a senior and has really elevated his stock. Big matchup this week against Oklahoma, Red River rivalry. So that'll be a really fun uh, game to preview as well. And then we'll wrap things up with our draft mailbag. Let's get things started, though. Let's start it off with Saturday Scouting. It's time for Saturday Scouting. Well, back for another segment here of Saturday Scouting here on the Journey to the Draft podcast is our friend Ben Fennel. Ben? Uh, welcome back from uh, where Lawrence, Lawrence, Kansas. How was it? It was good. We had Snoop Dogg at Midnight Madness oh, and I went forgot, off without actually, a hitch. And <laughs> I forgot. I've really heard too there. much about it since. I didn't so. even make that connection that you were there for that. Yeah. Um, you were, were you? You were like there. There. No, we were given some opportunities to go. Okay. I think a couple guys from the crew snuck over there, right. but I didn't go. And we what's your call time? For so that was eleven local. Okay. It's always six hours before, so right. that means there's a five a.m. call so yeah, time. And, no, I'm not doing anything. Even for Snoop, though. Even for Snoop, that's you missed a party. I'm right? in mid-season mode. I'm all right. about getting the game and getting out of there, and I don't got time for Snoop Dogg parties and you were there for money it. guns. And <laughs> then we have to address it the next day, and now I'm not a Snoop Dogg fan because yeah. well, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. yeah just, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into the action on the gridiron this week then. Uh, your game ball from uh, Oklahoma, Kansas. Obviously, a, a blowout in favor of the Sooners, but uh, who gets your game ball in this I don't game? give it to a loser very often, but Puka Williams in Kansas Whoa. really impressed me. Nice. Uh, okay. He's small. He's probably not, not an NFL back. He's like 5'8", 175. Is he an NFL player? I don't know. I don't think so. Is he dynamic? He's very dynamic. He's fast. He's got mm-hmm. an impressive high school highlight reel. Go watch that. My comp, coincidentally, is Noel Devine. Okay. Who they have similar high school pedigrees. Former Eagle, by the way. Same size and everything. Just I don't think he has the body or the frame, like a Chris Rainey almost. Okay. Uh, where you're really fast and electric. I just don't know where to play you. You're not a running back body. You're really not a slot receiver. But see, like I think I feel like people said this about Tyree Kill when he was coming out. Tyreek Hill's thick. Tyreek Hill's got like some, some oh, yeah. chest to him and you know some abs. Puka on doesn't him. have that. No, but because of that, he is explosive right. and tore through this Oklahoma defense on a bunch of big plays. Had 23 carries, 137 yards, another five catches for 20 yards, and there were some plays where he just saw a crease and was at a different speed than everybody else on the football field. It was mm-hmm. fun to watch. Yeah, I know he was. I think he was 
freshman All-America last year, pretty sure first team All-Big 12, uh, all kinds of accolades. And I know yeah. he had off-field issues yeah, and man, stuff like deal. that, that whole deal. People are going to be like, oh, he looks like Darren Sproles. We have to stop comparing people to Darren Sproles. Right. Darren Sproles is a freak show right. of a human being on and off the field. Right. His workouts and just the way he's built and his strength. Yep. You can't just package all five, seven running backs into the Darren Sproles conversation. That's mm. not fair to the person you're comping or Darren Sproles. Right. There aren't many Darren Sproles walking right. around. All right. Well, let's uh, get to your one play takeaway uh, in this game. Who's What's one individual play uh, that you will forever remember between this legendary matchup between Oklahoma and Kansas of 2019. You know, I think this is a game that Jalen Hurts took just a bit of a step back here mm. and was really impressive the first four weeks in that Lincoln-Riley offense coming okay. over to Oklahoma from Alabama, and people had some questions about uh, his athleticism, his ability to be a pocket passer, his touch, his arm strength, the whole deal of him as a quarterback. And I thought this was the game where he really got back to his Alabama days and wasn't seeing guys down the field. His eyes were dropping, didn't make good decisions. And my one play takeaway who's down in the red zone is a one man route combination. Mm. You're just reading the shallow, you're reading the middle linebacker. The middle linebacker flows uh, away from the shallow. You throw the shallow. If he flows to the shallow, you actually have a delay quarterback release. Pass run option. Yes. We're, a topic of the Eagle Where an offensive lineman's going to release with Jalen Hurts. They yeah. ran this against Houston beautifully. He right. didn't throw the shallow, and the left guard released with him in perfect concert. Yeah. However, in this scenario, the shallow was wide open. Mm. His eyes dropped. He tried to run. It got uh, squeezed Walled off. off yep. And he just took a really bad sack in the red zone. I just felt like plays like that are we're not looking at the real nuts and bolts of his decision making enough. And I think mm. that was a real microcosm of my issues with Jalen Hurts and his lack of good decisions, the right decision, and when things go wrong, what happens, and can he get himself out of bad plays? Interesting. Uh, certainly, a guy that has been getting a lot of good publicity with the way that he's played and the and the production that he's put up uh, for Lincoln Riley there. But certainly, there will be questions about Jalen Hurts as he projects here to the NFL. Uh, let's go to a guy that really impressed you just off the hoof. You're off the bus guy uh, who looked the part in this game. I don't know if this was my off the bus last year, but I don't really care. Kenneth Murray can be the <laughs> off the bus guy every week. This guy is an absolute freight train of a linebacker. He's okay. big. He's broad. His arms are enormous. They're like the size of my legs. Uh, he got in a little scuffle pre-game warm-ups. Yep. Not sure Kenneth Murray is the guy you want to give some extra motivation to Don't on that, that field. Yeah. Um, but he's a really good-looking linebacker. The question is, what do you do with him on third down? Is he a rush end? Is he a QB spy? He's not really a guy that's going to go turn and run in coverage. Yep. He reminds me a little bit of Devin White, but I don't want to just go that recent from last year. Mm -hmm. But he's a much bigger version of Devin White. Devin White was just a shade over six foot, six one. He's every bit of six three. He's right. big, he's tall, he's broad. He looks a little bit more like a Keith Bullock, in my opinion. Uh, but a really good looking kid. And he's a guy you just want to look at uh, without his pads on and just see his frame and yeah. how rocked up he is. He's a good looking kid. So without having and we're not I mean, I'm not gonna hold you prayer. I can't speak for everybody else out there. With having seen him live, done a little bit of work on him from a film standpoint, do you guess that he's in the day one discussion, the day two discussion, the day three discussion? How do you kind of view Kenneth Murray from afar before you really dive right in? Right now, I think he's a back end one into a round two type of player. Okay. Um, he's a big linebacker, but he's not these old school, you know, type of downhill pluggers that have been phased out through the NFL that are wearing mm. these big shoulder pads and that don't fit in today's NFL sub package defenses. This guy's a fluid athlete, a little bit more linear of a straight line guy. Yep. But he's an explosive player. He's tough. He's rangy. I just think any defensive coordinator would love to pop this guy right into the middle of the defense and just let him uh, 
kind of influence all levels. Interesting. Well, he's a guy that is a junior, does, you know, does have another year of eligibility if he wants to go back. But uh, let me get a player from you that doesn't have that opportunity, won't be declaring for this draft because he is a freshman or a sophomore. Who's a player that you would say is the down-the-road freak show from this matchup? Yeah, it's just a name to file away for later, and it's not a name I'm going to be shocking anybody with. This is the number one receiver by Rivals ESPN 24-7, and that's Jaden Hazelwood. Um 6'2", 210, good-looking kid. Uh, we'll hear his name down the road there. Oklahoma, that, I'm assuming. In that Oklahoma yeah. offense there. Uh, pretty sure he was from the state of Georgia, if I'm okay. not mistaken, but uh, I may be making that up. And I also wanted to do my one-play takeaway to be that Kenneth Murray tackle I had put on Twitter, okay. which I absolutely Take us through that. love because he absolutely walloped Puka Williams. But it wasn't in the sense that he caught him off guard or really ran into a tackle and hit him with momentum. This was a breakdown tackle. Kenneth Murray stopped his feet, lowered his pads, snapped his hip, and ran his feet on contact and absolutely leveled Puka Williams and drove him backwards another five to seven yards. Mm. I love seeing clean, hard hits with proper technique. And we talk about momentum plays, and I've been watching that with offensive linemen a lot. Which mm. offensive linemen are generating their blocks and movement with momentum right. versus having their feet in the ground? and churning and driving guys off. And same thing with tacklers. Are you using momentum to blast ball carriers or are you using your feet in the ground and driving ball carriers mm. backwards? And Kenneth Murray is a guy with great technique, and just to see a breakdown tackle like that, it's really impressive. I think it kind of speaks to what you've talked about with both those players. I mean, Kenneth Murray looks the part, yep. a big physical dude, whereas Puka, uh, he's he's lacking some sand in the pants. No I mean, question. He's not, he's yep. not that kind no, of guy. No, it was a good little so snapshot of both of them. No yep. question. Um, all right, so let me ask you about a few guys that we talked about last week that uh, weren't covered in your superlatives that, you know, I just want to ask you and just get a little bit of follow-up after seeing them live. I want to start uh, with Neville Gallimore, a guy that we've talked a little bit about over the last couple of years, the defensive tackle for Oklahoma. You know, similar snapshot of what I've seen from him in person the past couple of years where he has some really good get-offs, some really good, you know, first move plays, first steps, maybe uh, beating a guy right off the ball, the mm. quick move. But he just, I just want a little bit more out of him on the tape. He just, you know, gets in the backfield and then doesn't finish the play and he yeah. can't wrangle the quarterback or he'll blow up a blocking scheme but not get the running back. And I just had a bunch of plays noted where he beat the guard, got into the backfield and flushed the quarterback out or blew up the zone play and forced a cutback. And he's disrupting. He's just not making a lot of plays. I don't know if I want to say he's going to be a better pro because of right, that. Right, right. Or does he just kind of hit his ceiling and he There's just doesn't have that there, yeah. extra gear to kind of finish? So I really uh, like the uh, the Malcolm Brown comp you made last week. I've been thinking yeah. about that a lot actually because uh, Malcolm Brown was a guy I liked coming out of Texas. Um, similar, very similar player in a lot of different ways. Yeah, so no I question. really like that yeah. comp that, that comparison. Uh, let's he go stay with Oklahoma. Uh, C.D. Lamp, uh, dynamic receiver for the Sooners. What did you see from him in this game? Kind of a quiet game on offense. Had yeah. two catches, 25 yards, nice touchdown where they gave him one opportunity to get some yards after catch. Bam, touchdown. Made right. two players miss. Walked into the end zone, had a punt return touchdown. Okay. Had another punt return touchdown called back on a ticky-tacky little something away from the play. So, Who was your comp for him last week? Chad Johnson. That's right. Ocho yes. Cinco. Um, so you have to find a guy that's 6'2", 6'3", yep. under 200 pounds, Bit of an upright, long, leggy receiver, mm -hmm. route running technician in yep. and out of breaks, releases, good hands, range, and crafty with the ball in his hands. I just think Chad Johnson's kind of a spitting image of C.D. Lamb. Uh, but Lamb, just interesting that he's not that involved in offense. Two catches for C.D. Lamb, right. senior receiver. Give this guy the ball. Give yeah. him some yak opportunities. Mm -hmm. I love that he's back there uh, returning kicks. Just find another way to get, get him, him the ball. get him the ball and see if he can make a play. And yeah. I think he's proving uh, that he deserves more uh, more touches. 
Conversely, with the way Jalen Hurts is as a quarterback, get the ball out of his hand. Give right. him some easy throws. Yep. You know, CeeDee Lamb will easily take a two-yard pass 60 yards on you. Um, I just think that's easy offense there. Yeah, he was a guy I wrote down watching in the offseason. I remember after I watched him, I think you and I were texting back and forth. It was June, July. And a name that I came up with was like, because he's not the biggest guy, but no. he's so good at the catch point. I was like, it's almost like a DeAndre Hopkins, but you bring up the point that he's a much more sharp, much more sharp of a route runner than Hopkins, mm-hmm. and he's got so. Uh, I was really surprised with, with the yeah. punt returning. I yeah, didn't see odd. that type of element in his game, and no, um, not last year. It takes a different type of dude to want to do that as well. Yeah, and you have to really kind of be a little crazy and uh, and have be a little fearless as well. Not only being fast, athletic, agile, the whole deal to be mm. a punt returner, you have to have it upstairs as well. So I just like seeing that mentality at a CDLM. Uh, one of the Kansas players you brought up last week was Bryce Tornet in the. Nickel. Mm-hmm. What did you see from him in this game? They got after Jalen Hurts quite a bit, and they mm. sent a lot of pressures at him, a lot of dog blitzes, a lot of slot blitzes, and that was torn in off the edge, uh, blowing up some run plays and flustering Jalen Hurts on some third downs. Just thought he looked really good. I comped him last week to a Mike Hilton-style player from sure. Ole Miss who's carved out a nice role with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kind of that thicker nickel, almost like a uh, the way Devont- uh, Avante Maddox is built okay. here. Yep. Not that frail nickel, but a guy with a little bit of butt, a little bit of chest to him here that he could stick his nose in in the run. Uh, all right, so the game that I watched <laughs> that I was most invested in this week uh, was Oregon versus Cal, and we talked about it last week on the show. I just really wanted to see Justin Herbert, another primetime game, against a good defense with yeah. Cal. I mean, players at all three levels, and uh, just really wanted to get eyes on him again. And, you know, you had Ohio State, Michigan State was on, bounced back and forth during commercials, but really was heavily invested in this game. So for me, my game ball actually is going to go to Justin Herbert, which may sound a little crazy because it's not like, the stats were insane. I mean, 20 for 33, uh, 214 yards, one touchdown, and a pick, which I'll touch on in a bit. Um, one thing I'll say, and you know I never really go down this road. I don't think that the situation there does him any favors. Like, I don't think that the scheme is necessarily quite built for him. Mm. And I also think, look, he made some big-time throws in this game that were dropped, that went through receivers' hands. I right. know that's been an issue with him going back uh, really over the last two seasons as well. Uh, and that continues. They've made a lot of changes in that receiving core. They just haven't been able to get together and you know get some consistency from a catch point standpoint um big kid natural arm talent athleticism we talk about all the tools all i know is this it's late third quarter yeah and they, they got a big punt return that got them into plus territory so they're in they're in cal territory knocking on the door first play simple drop back he smokes a throw over the middle to the tight end, Jake Breland. That's where, to me, he always looks most comfortable, by the way, is mm-hmm. those middle-of-the-field throws, whether it's play action or whether it's uh, just a simple drop back like this one. Zone coverage, multiple defenders in the area, threw a strike to Breland uh, over the middle for a big play, just shy of the goal line. Next play, they they walk in for a touchdown. Um, you know, I think, to me, you know, I look at Herbert and I say, he's got the abuse. You mentioned it earlier uh, with Gallimore. I feel like he's got the ability to be a better pro than college player. I, but I do think, though, that there's also something, there's like that one little thing you just want to see that little extra oomph before you like fully buy in. I just can't help but wonder, though, watching him, like, man, like, if he was in a different situation, like, would we, we, how differently would we be talking about Justin Herbert? Like, if he was, if he was in Oklahoma, playing for Lincoln Riley, if he was in Alabama with those receivers, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like what would we be saying about Justin Herbert? It would be a complete, and we can't because it's not such a, not now, the now obviously like, game tape is never going to be ignored. It's, it's your football DNA, but yep. I think he's going to be one of those players. The season ends and it's almost like a line in the sand. 
I think it is. Once he's going to go to the Senior Bowl and some yep. post games, uh, postseason stuff, then he's going to get poked around at the combine. And considering everything you just said at Oregon, the scheme, the number of drops, you know, the system that he's running there, et cetera, it's almost like we need to see him in a different setting, in yeah. a different environment. And senior Bowl will be huge. No for question. Him. Huge. And, um, I just think about like a Paxton Lynch style of player that he was tough to evaluate at Memphis as yeah. well. And it was like he showed some flashes of excellence and all the program and the people he's around. Does he have more tools to offer to us? And um, I'm not really sure where I view Justin Herbert at this point. I, to me, like, I think that there's almost no way he's not a, you know, he's not, he's not going to be on the board, we'll say, when the Eagles select. Like, he's going to go high. Uh, and bump a player down to the Eagles, which yeah. Eagles fans should want. If, you mm-hmm. know, most most of the people listening are Eagles fans. He's going to go high. I think it's going to be interesting when paired with the Jordan Loves, the Tua's, and you know maybe a Joe Burrow, whoever else is in that discussion. I think it's going to be very very interesting to see how they kind of yeah. get stacked up <clears throat> next to each other. That's why I think the Senior Bowl would be big for Justin Herbert, as we talked about last week with Jim Nagy. Um, I mentioned that interception. The interception came very early in the game. I want to say it was opening drive. Uh, Ashton Davis, the athletic safety. Mm. Look, he made this pick down the seam, and it looked like Herbert kind of locked into the receiver. I think it was his first pick, I think even since week one against Auburn, uh, which is impressive in itself. Um, it looked like a corner making the play. Uh, naturally picked it off in stride, then immediately put his foot in the ground and turned into a turner. Um, I thought it was a really impressive play from Ashton Davis, and we know about the athleticism. Uh, I've watched him on film. He's another guy I feel like there's just a, I, I I gave him a, a developmental starter grade because I felt like he, yeah, there's something there. There's talent. I just want to see him continue to put it all together. And I, I can't go off just this, this one viewing on TV to say, oh yeah, he's put it all together. But Ashton Davis is a guy who's very talented. You've talked about that Cal secondary in the past. Yeah, I haven't studied a lot of these guys, but I just have notes. Some guys have flashed when I was studying some other receivers and whatnot. Ashton Davis is the track star, right? He is. Yes, yeah. he had all, and he, I believe, he went to Cal as a just a regular student right. and went on they were having open tryouts and he went and tried out and walked on right, and then right. became a star <laughs> uh so really interesting story there i actually almost gave my one play takeaway to uh another safety richard lecount another one of your guys yeah number uh, two from georgia. georgia yeah hard hitter uh, so halftime of oregon and cal i turned over to that to that game they were in the third quarter uh georgia tennessee he had a two-play sequence Huge hit, mm-hmm. and we, that's what he's kind of known for yep. is like him being a striker on the back end. Then an interception along the sideline. Oh, nice. Uh, we talked about that JRE interception against Notre Dame. Yep. It was kind of similar to that opposite side of the field, um, but showing off a little bit of range from the yeah, guy nice. who's known for his big uh, for being a big hitter. My down the road freak show, uh, Oregon's left tackle, uh, Penny Sewell. Uh, I studied that whole Oregon offensive line in the summer, uh, and Sewell last year was a true freshman. And that's kind of a big deal for Oregon. Yeah. I mean, he was the first ever uh, true freshman offensive lineman to start in week one for the Ducks. Uh, he was the first true freshman ever to earn all-conference honors for the Ducks. So uh, this is a guy who's got legit size. Again, 6'6", over 320. Um, he moves around pretty well for a guy that big, and he can generate movement in the run game. And that, that team, they want to run the football. It's a senior-laden group, four seniors al- alongside him. Mm-hmm. He I think he's got the highest potential of all that. that I've heard some rumblings last year that even though they were veteran on the group, that he was the most impressive and talented of the group and almost has a Jonah Williams type entrance to his college career. And that like, well, this guy's a stud and you put him right on the top of the mountain. Like he's going to be someone in a couple of years. He's, I feel like this summer, like we're, it'll be Penny Sewell will be a first round pick in most mock drafts. Like uh, that's, we're not there yet in the draft community to look at the sophomores yet and start projecting 2021. He's going to be one of those guys. No question. Yeah, I think so. Um, 
All right, let's get it into uh, your game for this week. Well, where are you heading? Yeah, another Big Ten battle here. We got Michigan at Illinois. Okay. Um, so. Illinois, so you've got Reggie Corbin. Yep, Reggie Corbin. Uh, interesting player, senior, came back, had 15 runs of 20-plus last year, a bunch of big plays. One of five players that had 1,000 yards. You in, love these stats. You're great for these stats. Yep. to carry. Because I like seeing the consistency yes. over a large body that. of work. Yep. Uh, so the fact that only five players had 1,000 and a good yards per carry average. And wasn't he like one of only two returning or something like yes, that? Yes, I believe so. It I was don't like have him, that Yeah, down. I forget yeah. who it was. You, probably you, him and Taylor, if I had to guess. I think so, yeah. Because um, it was like Darrell Henderson was one of the But a bunch of guys others. have 1,000 yards. Right. But it's like, how many times did you get the ball? Yep. Um, and then there's guys with really good average per carries. Yep. But they only had 50 carries. Sure. So, you know, I like just seeing the guys with the big workload and productive in each of those. He was a top rugby player in high school, actually, running national title. Uh, minimal in the pass game. He's got some video game-like cuts. He's mm. great jump cuts. He go 90 degrees, start, stop. Very fluid athlete. Gets up to full speed really quick. Doesn't like to go down on first contact. But conversely, he's like 190 pounds. He's undersized. He's a bit of one-year wonder so far. Uh, I don't know if he has that home run speed, outrun yeah. defenses, but yep. he's very quick. He's got the burst. He's got the acceleration. I just don't know if he's got the stride and the long speed. Um, and then some weird decision makings at times. He just thinks mm. he can bounce every run at times and use that speed. Um, so, so ultimately, we're talking about like a change of pace guy. Yeah, at, exactly. At, uh, yep. at the next level, I don't have a comp right now for him. I really need to do a, a bigger study, which yep. I'll probably do in the next uh, two days. But in, interesting player. Uh, anybody else? I wanted to start with Corbin because he's the big name, I think, for Illinois and Michigan. We got a lot of names. So. Yeah, Michigan. We have tons. Illinois. I'm still kind of new on and just like browsing the roster and. There's a lot of transfers. Tons and, of transfer. Yeah. They have, uh, you know, this linebacker from Washington, the tight end Luke Ford, which is a big conversation in the summer from Georgia, was denied right, the eligibility. Right, right. Uh, Trevon Sidney from USC, uh, their number one uh, sack and TFL guy is from USC. Mm. Another receiver from, from USC. USC. Yeah. yeah, they have an old lineman from Alabama. They just have these kids from all over the place. I think. USC quarterback Matt Fink was close to yes. transferring. Correct. Then did the old okie doke and went back to USC. And yep. now I think is starting there. Yeah. Uh, so interesting, good, interesting team. Good decision by uh, Matt Fink. Yeah, it play. seems like it. Um, all right. So let's go to Michigan then. A uh, lot of guys on, on both sides of the ball that I think are worth talking about. Uh, I'll leave it up to you. Where do you kind of want to start this conversation? A number of places. We'll stick primarily on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. I like Lavert Hill a lot. He had, I like Lavert Hill he too. He had two nice picks last week, but he also gave up a play down the field. I thought a lot of guys kind of showed the point counterpoint last week against Iowa. Okay. Lavert Hill had a nice play down the field where he squeezed the receiver, found the ball, felt him, got his eyes back, made the play, also gave up a play down the field. Um, Josh Metalus, the uh, free the safety, safety guy, yep. could play free, strong. Had a nice pick last week where he showed some range getting over a big box fade. Yep. And then there was another play down the rail where he couldn't get there in time. Mm. So uh, I really need to study him and see if he has those tools or not. Lavert Hill is really interesting, though. This guy's a press corner through and through. He's played no some question. nickel at times. He's got some really good zone instincts and awareness. He had a pick last year where uh, he was guarding the number one receiver in the red zone. They ran that bash concept where they're getting number three on a corner. Yep. He stepped up to guard number one and then drifted back on the corner. Sank on it and came pick, up with Picked pick. the ball in the red zone. Really nice play. Like I was saying, he had the two plays, uh, two picks last week. Really competitive at the catch point. Just concerned with him against bigger receivers. He's like 180 pounds. Yep. Occasionally can get thrown off at the catch point. Yep. Or uh, um, getting in and out of breaks and uh, releases and stuff like that. I didn't think that, you know, watching him 
Number one, I thought he was very similar to his former teammate, David Long, uh, mm-hmm. the kid who came out last year. Yeah. Pure press corner, 100% agree. Um, he's a guy that, number one, doesn't have an elite physical trait. You mentioned the, the lack of size. I don't think he's going to be a burner that's going to like test great at the combine. Right. He's also the, diff- the a guy who's a great example of the difference between ball skills and hands because yeah. a lot of dropped interceptions, but man, this guy has a really good sense of how to play the ball when it's in the air. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the, the you know pressing the receiver to the line or to the sideline, uh, getting back to find it. His, his timing's always really good. Just a really good feel for playing the ball. Plays a really good technique, but I don't know. Like you're saying, I don't know if he has any gifts or special abilities yeah. to really take him over the top he's not a long corner yep he's not a burner he's not super physical yep so as much as you want to say oh he's been on the field a lot he's a senior player is could he be a desmond king desmond king's a special player desmond king was yeah. wired a little bit differently upstairs and you know he was a tough kid and um desmond king was also closer to 200 pounds yep so this kid's more in the 184 uh 180 range so it'd be interesting to see uh if he wants to put on some pounds in the off season or Maybe just work on that long speed and put up a maybe a four 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 nine or yep. something like that, right around four five. If he breaks four five, I think that would be. A, a I think he's him. more of like yeah. a four five five type yep. of corner, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but his technique is so on point, it kind of fills in the gaps here and there. Yep. And when you play with the proper technique, you could make up for some you know deficiencies elsewhere. He came into the to the year, I think, as a top five senior corner. For I me. believe so. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I I did like him on film. He's going to fall question, back yeah. because he doesn't have those sexy elements to take him over the top. C.J. Henderson's yep. going to run four three nine. Yep. Uh, there's some long corners like Jalen Johnson, Adebo yes. out in uh, Stanford that are a little bit longer and look better for an NFL scheme. So. Yep. We'll see. All right. Well, let's uh, let's stick with the Michigan defense. You mentioned Josh Medalist, the safety, but uh, look, that front seven, a lot of turnover from last year to this year. You lose Devin Bush and Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary and the like. There are a couple other guys they lost as well to graduation. So uh, a lot of new names in the starting lineup there. Uh, who, I want to ask you about a guy I actually, ironically, just studied this weekend for the first time, and that's the pass rusher. I guess you can call him a pass rusher, uh, you know, edge player, um, Josh Uche. Uh, give us your thoughts. Yeah, interesting senior. player. I just sent my notes to my ESPN crew, and I want to do a little package on Michigan's rush package on third yeah. down, where they're getting Mike Dana, the grad transfer from Central Michigan, on the field. Uh, Josh, is it Uche? Uche, Uche. Josh Uche, Uche yeah. and this other uh, defensive end, uh, Pay, that they get all on the field at the same time, and they, they're interchangeable at three-tech edge, lots of fun loops and games and twists. Uh, but Uche is interesting. He's more the outside linebacker of the group. Yep. He'll play off ball. He'll play in space. He'll play on the edge. They'll stand yep. him up in the B gap over guards. They'll loop him. They'll twist him. Um, so he looks like a really good athlete in certain areas. He flows to the ball really well and aggressively. Flexibility is really good. Yep. Has a variety of moves to kind of get inside or outside of uh, different pass protectors and stuff. I don't think he's a bendy guy. I don't think he's a flexible guy. I don't think he has a deadly first step. But he's a tough kid. It looks like he's got a big butt and a good lower body strength onto mm. him. Uh, and he plays really hard. So I think that's going to get him a number of plays. And seems like Michigan really values his ability as a rusher as well, the way they're moving him around. Every team, I feel like, is going to look at him differently. I think I saw a little more bend and flexibility from him than you did. There was one play. I definitely saw the balance. I saw some moves where a guard kind of popped him. He stayed on his feet and got right. up and under him and things was, like that. I watched Wisconsin and I watched another big game. It might have been Rutgers, maybe. Yeah, I think it was Rutgers. It was a game okay. they blew them out. So yeah. I watched Rutgers and I watched Wisconsin. So two games that went uh, opposite ends of the spectrum there yep. uh, for the Wolverines. But one of those plays, he dipped the corner and turned. And I was like, all right, like he's, he's got some, uh, some high side rush ability. I just feel like watching this kid that 
you know, some teams are going to look at him and say like, okay, he's a pure rush player. He's not big enough to put his hand in the dirt and, uh, you know, and be a three down player for us. Uh, you know, maybe Mike Zimmer kind of scheme would say, mm-hmm. oh, you know, he could be an Anthony Barr and play off ball, but also give us some rush flexibility. Uh, you know, some team may look at him and say he's a pure Sam backer. Like, yeah. um, I think he's going to be really interested to see how he's viewed across the league. Yeah, it's way too early to make this type of comparison, but I could see a Brandon Graham type of trajectory. Oh, with man, him. really? In the way Graham was viewed as the outside linebacker when he came into the league. Now, Graham is a stump, and he's rocked up, and he's not that short. He's a little bit longer, but that type of body type, that type of tweener mentality. Interesting. And Brandon Graham coming into the league, like, all right, this guy's an outside backer and a defensive end and third downs. Right. And we turn to this Sunday, and he's killing guards playing three-tech in the NFL. I just think he's that type of guy that you need a little bit of vision, a little Mm. bit of kind of forecasting with uh, maybe putting some pounds on and – just using his strength. All right. Anybody else defensively uh, you want to hit on? No, we talked about Mike Dana, the grad transfer from Central Michigan. I'm just not sure he has a whole lot of juice. Um, he's a strong player. He had some impressive sacks at Central Michigan, but I more noted it to some some underwhelming offensive tackles. Gotcha. All right. Um, a couple speed to power moves there. He plays really hard as well, but uh, just kind of a guy athletically. All right. Well, let's go over to the other side. Uh, some interesting skill talent for Michigan. They've got yeah. uh, John Runyon's uh, son, John Runyon Jr., mm-hmm. uh, is the left tackle. Shea Patterson, the big name at quarterback. Where do you want to kind of start there? Yeah, Runyon's an interesting player. Uh, ben Bradison is an interesting yep. offensive lineman as well. He's got like 2,300 snaps under his belt in his career. He's a snaps. veteran player. Yep. Um, kind of like a Pierce Bocker up in Alabama. That okay. seems like he's been there for four years. Yep. But you look at him as a prospect, and it's just like, I don't really know what what he yeah. does. What does he hang his hat on? Rashawn Gary told me John Runyon was the best tackle he faced last year. Okay, I believe that. But it was his teammate. So, um, Yeah, Bredesen's probably a guard at the next level. Runyon will probably hang out uh, over at tackle or maybe even slide into guard as well. Okay, I haven't started either of them yet. Yeah, I need to dive in as well. This Michigan team is a beast with prospects. There's guys all over the place. I mean, the three receivers, Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins. How do you kind of view those three guys? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. Tariq Black, I think the one that's been on and off been the field. Off, yeah. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Interesting yep. player had a bunch of nice uh, kick returns as well. They'll have a big kid who can have return him return kicks. some uh, some punts as well. Yep. I think he had a couple of returns last week against Iowa. And then Nico Collins, I think, is six three, two twenty five, and is this big, broad, kind of thick receiver down mm. the field that he can really uh, use his body against smaller defensive backs. So I need to really dig into a lot of these guys, and I'm not sure if I have time to go too far into the underclassmen, the juniors, Donovan Peoples Jones, Tariq Black, or juniors. Yep technically eligible yep uh, i might wait for them to declare before i dive fully I wanna, into their tape and i don't want to overwhelm you but i for i took a peek at the michigan iowa game at like noon before i left it was 10-3 in the first quarter i was like oh this is shaping up to be a good game and then i i you know did a couple things during the afternoon i came back and saw the final score i was like oh it finished 10-3 to i didn't miss anything right yeah. um, but <laughs> They, on the broadcast, singled out another receiver as, like, who Harbaugh and that staff said, yeah, he's our guy. Like, he's our number one guy. Another receiver? Another, <laughs> another receiver. All right. So we'll add, right, add him to the list. Yeah. Um, but I guess uh, senior quarterback. We might as well talk Shea about Patterson. Shea Patterson yeah, here yes. just a little bit. Interesting player because every week he's going to make some wow throws on you. And if you just put together a highlight reel of the, of the wow throws, yeah. you're like, all right, we got a top 10 pick here. This is an NFL quarterback, yeah, first round, first round pick kid, yeah. all day long. Makes some plays outside of structure, yep. makes some throws outside the pocket, has some athleticism. Uh, the quarterback design runs. You're like, okay, he's a tough kid as well. Yep. Like, we got some tools here. But conversely, it's like, ah, that, that, that wind up is way too long. He's going to have to shorten up his delivery. I'm not sure how strong his arm is. 
Not sure about his decision-making in and out of the pocket. He runs into some sacks here and there. He leaves clean pockets at times. Holds onto the ball too long at times. Uh, I think PFF had him at like a 298 average time to throw, which was the longest in the country. And as you're getting later in your career, that time should be going down, not up. Yep. Um, So I'm just a little bit concerned about that. But if you just took his good, He's got some tools, and I don't know if some quarterback whisperer is going to say, all right, he's got some God-given abilities. I can work with his strength and his mm-hmm. athleticism and his size. Um, PFF comped him to Josh McCown, which I wrote that down. I thought that was kind of an interesting comp right there. Um, you know who just, who just popped into my head? Who's that? Chad Kelly. That's interesting. Kelly was a little bit more of a pocket passing stiff with a huge arm. He's got a little more wiggle and shake to him yeah. as, as an athlete. Um, my initial kind of thought process on it is right. actually like a Kaepernick style of player. Sure. Okay. Not yep. nearly as athletic or right. dynamic yep. as a runner. Not, doesn't have that type of speed. Right. But if you just put Kaepernick's wow throws at San Fran into a hopper, you're like Hall of Famer right here. Look yeah, at that's these what throws. Harbaugh saw when they bought No in. question. Yeah. And that's kind of, I didn't even think about that. The whole Harbaugh. Is that. Is that what he said? No, I just that's literally oh. just, that was my first thought. Oh, that's actually kind of interesting. I wonder if he's running some elements with Kaepernick over there. I'm yeah. sure he is. Some yeah. of his quarterback design runs and whatnot. But the same thing, the inconsistency with accuracy, the long windup, you know, things like that. Kaepernick also threw the ball through the wall. Yeah, I don't right. think he has that type of arm strength. Um, but similar type of players. I, I'm still working on a, a proper comparison for Patterson. All right. Well, uh, it should get your thoughts and see who of these prospects really kind of stand out. Because, like you I'm said, I'm sure I'll have a bunch of new names that right, weren't even on my deal. list. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to be uh, overwhelming. They have, they have a senior there. running back. They have a senior tight end as well. Yep. Well, they had um, Chris Evans, who had been flashing like from his f- true freshman year. Yeah. And then he's going into his senior year. He's going to be the guy. And then he's academically ineligible yeah. for, uh, from the summer, and he didn't play. So I'm blanking like, on the right, names. Well. I think the tight ends, McKeon. Yes, he's been they there for a while. back. Uh, yep. True Mason, I think, okay. is his name. Uh, I just peeked at the Senior Bowl watch list for this team, which I shouldn't have done because it's another like 20 names on this team that are uh, <laughs> eligible. So we'll see who flashes, and we'll see uh, what Harbaugh wants to tell our, tell our crew on Friday. Very interesting. Well, uh, before we let you go, a couple of other matchups I want to get your thoughts on. Yeah, what do you got? Uh, so there's a, there's a good week college football. A uh, big one is LSU-Florida. Death Valley uh, at night. Florida coming off the big win over Auburn. I feel like they're going to have some tough sledding. But an interesting matchup in this game. The LSU offense, you go Joe Burrow, uh, those two receivers, um, Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase. Going up against that Florida defense, you know, mm-hmm. you got, I, I know Zaniga's kind of been banged up, but uh, Jonathan Greenard up front, what yep. they can do, you know, getting after Burrow. But namely the secondary, the secondary against this LSU receiving core is going to be really fun. You've got uh, CJ Henderson, a player you and I both like, um, you know, Marco Wilson, Trey Dean. Yep. It's a good secondary going yeah, up no against question. this LSU yep. receivers and, and who have, you know, they've made plays against everybody. I like LSU in this game, uh, especially at home at night. That's going to be a tough atmosphere for Florida, but. Um, no, that's a, that's going to be a really really fun matchup. And then uh, Big Ten, you're you're going to be in the Big Ten this week, so I figure I throw a Big Ten one in here. Uh, Penn State Iowa, the matchup I think from a, pr- a prospect standpoint that's interesting is that Iowa offensive line Tristan Wirfs at right tackle, Alaric Jackson now back in the lineup uh, this past week at yep. left tackle. So those two guys going up against this Penn State defensive front, they've got a lot of guys 
up and down the line, namely uh, Yator Gross Matos. That'll be an, an interesting matchup there up front. Of the yeah, and that Iowa defense actually has some players as yeah. well. Uh, you know, obviously the edge rusher. They have a nice safety. Uh, Geno Stone. Geno Stone. That's my guy. Really the guy player. from uh, from the fall or from uh, the summer. So definitely some matchups on both sides of the ball there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, those will be two big matchups to watch. But there's some good. I mean, we didn't mention Texas Oklahoma. Yep. Uh, that's a big one. We'll talk about one of the Texas receivers later in the show. Um, yeah, it's it's a good week of college football. Excited uh, to see what some of the big takeaways are. I actually, by the way, I, I'm, there we go. I, I'll, I'll be at a game this week. Oh, right. Yeah. It's uh, Temple homecoming. Oh, so great. Nice. It's uh, Temple Memphis. Uh, I'm hoping Patrick Taylor, the running back from Memphis, will be active. He's been banged up. I think he's missed the last four games uh, with a foot injury. Um, Had a big start to the year. Got hurt against Ole Miss and has been out since. Uh, they've got a senior tight end, Joey Magnifico. Yep. Uh, I've actually done some work on some of the Temple uh, seniors on defense, the two linebackers they've got. Some of the D tackles have impressed me. Isaiah Wright, a senior receiver. I got to say, Temple's turning in one of those programs that scouts and NFL coaches are starting to put some extra emphasis on. They put guys on. in the league every year. And it's not just putting guys in the league. They're putting like really good football That's players, stick, guys that are hanging around. Yep. And it seems like every week it's like, oh, there's another Temple player, Temple defender, Temple yep. defender, single-digit guy. You know, Temple yep. tough kid, and it's all over the league, and it's not even the sexiest, sexy ones like the uh, Hassan Reddicks of the world. You know, right. it's, uh, it's everybody else. Exactly, just, uh, they're doing something right out there. No, it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be fun. I'm hoping to get down on the field pregame, get a look at some of these yeah. guys, and uh, and shout out to Matt Rule, who kind of got that whole program, you know, uh, revitalized. Who's five and zero right now at the Baylor Bears? No question, off a contract extension too. It's a good story down there. Oh, good. Well, you know, we'll bring it back even further. We're going to start it with Al Golden back yep, in 06. There you go. Yeah. I mean, he hired me. So, yeah. I mean, doing something right. The only thing he did right, maybe. <laughs> brick by brick, right? <laughs> no, I uh, really appreciate uh, you joining us here once again, Ben. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. Well, I'm break not going anywhere. You got again. Dane Brugler coming up in a couple segments. So. You're going to stick through. Yeah, right, I'm right. Well, let's, uh, let's we'll wrap this one up. Uh, look forward to chatting with you next week. Well, great stuff from Ben. And before we get to that interview with Dave, just want to thank him again. You could follow him on Twitter at Ben. Fennel underscore NFL uh, does a great job helping me out each week with Eagle Eye in the Sky articles, uh, with Eagles game plan, which, by the way, this week I caught up with Eagles defensive line coach Philip Daniels. And if you, even if you're not an Eagles fan and you want to just learn a little bit more about defensive line play and what they're doing from a schematic standpoint, Coach Daniels did a great job breaking down stunts and why they work against protections and uh, just some different things to look for when you're looking into the trenches. So great stuff there uh, from Philip Daniels. Check that out later this week on PhiladelphiaEagles.com or on the Eagles YouTube page or on you know other forms of social media. All right, let's get into our next segment here. Mr. Relevant with Dane Brugler from The Athletic. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Well, I'd like to welcome back to the show one of my favorite people uh, that covers college football, the NFL draft, the NFL. You could follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler, and that is one, the only Dane Brugler. Dane, welcome back, man. Appreciate you joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. It's always good to join you, Fran. It's, uh, it's, it's not really draft season until I do, so thanks for having me. No, absolutely. And Dane obviously does great work at The Athletic and uh, just put out a piece this week, uh, actually, that Dane, I really enjoyed going through. It was 10 seniors who have really kind of boosted their stock and really helped put them you know, into the scope here for the NFL draft squarely in the in the crosshairs uh, for the senior bowl and everything beyond that. So my question to you is, who is a guy that has really helped himself file all along those same lines that you know, maybe we're not giving enough credit for nationally that you know we really need to know about uh, at this point in the year. 
How about Matt Pert, uh, UConn mm-hmm. right tackle? He is your classic late bloomer. Uh, Jamaican native, didn't start playing football until high school, but he's uh, verified 6'7", 302, 35 and a quarter inch arms. So he passes the eye test. And when you watch him on film, he's really powerful with his hands. So he can stop rushers cold uh, in pass pro. Uh, he'll generate movement in the run game. Uh, not only are his hands strong, but he's quick. Uh, you know, it allows him to get inside his target, control the point of attack. Uh, this is fourth season as a starter now, and it really shows. Uh, you see the veteran awareness. Uh, he works well in tandem. Um, and the coaches, they this year, they, they told me that he has become more of a vocal leader on and off the field for UConn. And so that program really hasn't been, uh, you know, a, a go-to program when it comes to producing NFL talent in recent years. They haven't had an offensive player drafted in five years. Mm. But I think that changes in April. I think Pert's definitely a player that draft fans need to know. Yeah, he's a guy I haven't gotten a chance to study yet. We've talked about him a little bit in the summer. I think uh, Tony had brought him up uh, on the show during our uh, our preview episode of that conference. But, um, yeah, a guy certainly I want to get eyes on. Uh, Dane, you know I love talking with everybody about sleepers and who they feel like they're higher on than you know the rest of the industry. So let's start there. I want to ask you about two players uh, that I you know one on each side of the ball that you feel like you're a little bit higher on uh, than the rest of the country. Let's start on offense. Who's one player that we really need to know about? Uh, it's gonna be so hard to keep it to one. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll go two on offense. Okay. Uh, John John Hightower, Boise State receiver. Got it. Yep. Uh, he, he's not exactly a sleeper. You know, I mean, people know the name, but I don't think that people know how good he is. I mean, he's he's tall and lean. He's six one and a half, hundred eighty five pounds. He can fly. Uh, the speed is what allows him to win off the line, get behind the secondary. He's one of the better vertical threats in the senior class. Uh, you'll see him on jet sweeps, uh, slip screens, uh, just whatever to get the ball in his hands. Uh, he has a kick return for a touchdown this year. So the, the key to his game is speed, and we know the NFL covets speed. So I think John Hightower is going to be uh, – he, he is m- much more liked by NFL uh, teams than I think the media realizes – uh, and then the other guy, I'm going to go to the FCS level. This is more of your true sleeper, Adam Troutman, the tight mm. end out of Dayton. And this is a guy who he didn't play a, an offensive position his entire life besides quarterback until he got to college. Uh, he wasn't highly recruited. Um, he went to a small school in Michigan. Uh, so he went the FCS route as a passer. But once he got to Dayton, he saw a chance to get on the field. And so he moved to tight end. Uh, he went to the coaches and actually pitched the idea and they were a little kind of confused at first, but then they had him go out to practice, run a few routes. And after a few minutes, uh, they said, okay, yeah, take off your non-contact Jersey. You're a tight end now. Uh, and he has flourished at the position since he made the move Been really productive. Uh, this past Saturday alone, he had, uh, set a school record with four touchdown uh, catches in the game and he did it all in the first half. So this is a guy who is six, five, two sixty five. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if he runs a 4-6, 40-yard dash by the time we get to Indianapolis uh, at the Combine. Uh, the big first step for him will be Mobile. Uh, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get a senior bowl invite. Uh, I, he will be there in Mobile. Um, if I know Jim Nagy at all, he the, Adam Troutman will be in, 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 or at, in Mobile for the senior bowl. So uh, we should see how he does against better competition there. And that's going to tell us a lot. Just like, you know, Ali Marpet and the dozens and dozens of other small school guys who were able to use a senior bowl as a springboard, uh, the same could have, could be true for Adam Troutman. Yeah, I haven't done Troutman yet. I feel like uh, Ben may have kind of buzzed through some of his targets at some point in the summer, so I watched a little bit uh, as he was going through, and he moves pretty well for uh, a guy his size. With Hightower, 
I watched him in the uh, earlier this season. Um, I watched Florida State. I want to. I watched one of the other games as well. Shades of Will Fuller, both good and bad. I think there with, with Hightower. But you you mentioned. It. I mean, the speed. Bingo. The NFL is looking for speed. That's it. Bingo. That, that speed, it doesn't, you know, he is leaner than you want. Uh, you know, he needs to be more consistent, especially over the middle. Yep. He'll get some alligator arms and he'll use his body a little too much to finish. But when you have that speed and you can do so much with it, uh, yeah, the NFL is going to take notice. And so that's why I wouldn't be surprised at all if he is a top 75, top mm. 60 pick, maybe even higher. All right, well, let's go on uh, defense now. Who, who's a guy that you feel like you're a little bit higher on than the rest? I just did a piece on him um, two weeks ago. Alex Highsmith, yep. uh, pass rusher out of Charlotte. Uh, he was on the radar before the season, but he played more of that four-eye position last year with the scheme that Charlotte had. Uh, and he just wasn't asked to rush the passer a lot. That changed this year. Uh, new coaching staff, uh, and it was kind of like uh, a Lamborghini was allowed out of the garage for the first time. Uh, he's so quick upfield, and he's developing his hand use. I mean, he's doing a nice job of really becoming, uh, you know, he was an athlete before who just, he, he knew what he was doing, but now he really understands how to put together a plan, string together those moves. And uh, when Charlotte faced Clemson a few weeks ago, Dabo Sweetie, uh, he called Highsmith the best player they had seen up to that point, mm. uh, which is certainly some high praise. And then during the game, there was more respect because they doubled him. They ran plays away from his side of the field. I mean, they basically made the other 10 defenders on that Charlotte defense uh, stop him, and which, of course, didn't happen. Uh, but he was still a factor in that game. Uh, and then after the game, Clemson left tackle Jackson Carmen, who is a big-time recruit, uh, only a true sophomore, but he's a guy we'll be talking about this time next year. Uh, as being a draft eligible guy after the game, he went out of his way to commend Highsmith and called him the fastest player off the ball that he had ever faced. And mm. I had a long talk with Highsmith's defensive line coach, and he went on and on about his development and how hard he wants it. So Highsmith is an ascending player. The production's there, the work ethic, the quickness. That's the type of player that I'm going to bet on. Yeah, he's a guy I I haven't gotten eyes on yet. I'm excited to watch him. I, I read your piece on him. Uh, actually, the uh, one of our uh, on-air personalities, Molly Sullivan, did a game. Uh, actually, the week after you did your piece, she did his game. I want to forget. I forget who they played uh, the week after. She's the sideline reporter for NFL Network when they do the Conference okay. USA games, uh, and she was glowing about him when when she got back. So I'm excited to do some work on Highsmith. So uh, if you follow Dane on Twitter, you know he just recently relocated back to his home state uh, of Ohio. So you're in Buckeye country. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. Uh, obviously, look, this team is is loaded with talent, both sides of the ball, all three levels. Uh, a lot of guys we could talk about, but I want to ask you about this secondary because, you know, everybody's hearing about Jeffrey Akuda, the underclassman corner that a lot of people feel uh, may be the top corner in the country. If he declares, he can go early, top 15. Uh, Tony made news last week when he said uh, that he was going to enter the draft last week here on this show. But then there are other guys in that secondary that I think are very much worth talking about. I mean, a solid senior corner in Damon Arnett on the other side, a guy that I don't know too much about in Sean Wade. I'd like to get uh, your thoughts on him. You've got a senior safety there in Jordan Fuller as well, who uh, looked at a change in defensive scheme. They're they're playing faster, a little bit more loose, a little bit uh, more man coverage this year, which I think has benefited those guys. So uh, give, give us your thought here uh, on this whole secondary and who stands out to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you hit on the high notes there with with each of those players. Um, I, yeah, I received some pushback when I listed Okuda as my number four overall player in the entire class uh, wow. in the preseason uh, back in August. 
because he had only one start or yeah, one start to his yep. name. Uh, but he was so good down the stretch last year. You watch the tape against Northwestern, the Big Ten Championship game. You watch the Rose Bowl tape the against Washington. Washington. Yep, no question. Yeah, it, it it showed a future star. And so far this year, I think he's lived up to that hype. Six uh, one, two hundred pounds. Uh, outstanding read-react quickness. He's tough as nails, uh, not afraid to get dirty in the run game. So are there things he needs to work on? Of course. Uh, I think his transition footwork uh, needs some work. He's still fine-tuning, uh, you know, how, how to read routes and, you know, body position, things like that. So I think he's going to get there, but give me all of those traits, and I think you have a number one corner in the NFL. So, you know, that's why we're talking about a player with a legit chance of going top 10, top seven picks um, at, at the corner position. Uh, Damon Arnett, He's had a very up and down career in Columbus. Um, he, he's twitched up. You can see the the quick feet, the oily hips. Uh, he has a tendency to grab, and that's kind of been the frustration from Buckeyes fans. Uh, he attracts plenty of flags over his career, especially in key moments. Uh, a few be- uh, weeks back, I tweeted out that he was receiving a lot of second round type of grades from scouts over okay. the summer, and you know, hearing from Ohio State fans, it's pretty funny because they've seen the frustration over the years, but he's playing better this year. Uh, he, he's walking that fine line between being aggressive, but also not being too physical. It's almost like a dance. And I think Arnett deserves credit for working at his craft, improving and becoming just more consistent player. I think he's getting there. I don't know if he's going to be a second round player, but uh, he's going to run really well. He's going to test really well. And you know, I think he's a good chance of being a day two player when it's all said and done. Um, and then, yeah, that other senior in that secondary, uh, Jordan Fuller, he really grabbed my attention when he was a sophomore. Uh, he was out there making plays, 6'2", yep. 200 pounds, makes a ton of tackles. But a, a lot of the times, the reason he's making those tackles is because he's late to arrive at plays. Uh, you know, the tackles are coming mm-hmm. after a completion or a big run. I think he's going to have a shot on special teams, but I just don't see the instincts. I don't see the the play anticipation where I'm going to trust him in an NFL secondary. So I gave him a free agent grade. So far, uh, from with what I've studied, I haven't seen anything to change that as of yet. But he's a big guy. He could run a little bit. He had his first interception, uh, or he had an interception last week against Michigan State. Came off a tipped, tipped pass. Um, so I think he's ultra conservative and in the NFL safeties like that, they don't necessarily get on the field a ton because you need to make plays. Um, but he, he's going to have a shot if he finishes strong here late down the season. Uh, then the other guy you mentioned, Sean Wade, uh, yep. really starting to come into his own at the right time, only a redshirt sophomore. So he's still very young, but it's easy to see why he was a five-star recruit. Um, you, uh, he was, I think the second highest recruit in the state of Florida that year. So uh, with all the athletes that that state produces, I, that tells you a lot right there. Uh, and he's really been the Swiss Army knife for that secondary. Uh, the They play him a lot inside uh, where he can you know, cover the slot receiver. He'll carry tight ends down the seam. He'll cover backs. Uh, but he can do a little bit of everything. He can play outside just fine. Um, I, I think with every rep that he sees, you see the light bulb illuminating more and more and more. And if he continues to improve at this current pace the rest of this year – He's going to have a really tough decision to make in January because he has all the talent to be a top 50 pick. I'm just envisioning the, you know, we're talking mid-January previewing Alabama and that those receivers against Ohio State and that group of corners uh, is a, yeah. a fun, fun matchup potentially uh, for the college football playoff. Uh, Dan, we don't talk too much about quarterbacks here on, the, on this show. Obviously, look, uh, some of the biggest names in the country, but I want to ask you about Jordan Love because this is a player watching him in the summer. 
I was really you know, entranced by a total package on the field. I don't know too much about him off the field, but uh, from what he showed on film last year as a sophomore, I was really, really intrigued by his skill set. Uh, like I said, total package. Now, a ton of turnover, offensive line, skill players, coaching staff. He's kind of last man standing from that 2018 squad, and the numbers haven't been great. He went to LSU this past week. A little bit of a tough outing from a statistical standpoint in Death Valley. I didn't get a chance to watch the game on TV. I know you had your eye on it a little bit. Uh, without going back and having studied the film, uh, what were your initial thoughts on Jordan Love in this game and then just big picture where he's at right now in, in his junior season? Yeah, and I think your thoughts mirror mine quite a bit because it's you can't watch his film and not get a little excited about that skill set. It's really raw, but it's has so much ability there. And I wrote this in my over the summer. I previewed each position, and for quarterbacks back in July, I wrote that talking to scouts, the words Mahomes like came up, and you see that he's yep. so loose as a passer, and he's so electric with his the way he can use his legs, the way he can throw off platform, and his natural touchdown field is really innate, and that's, that's awesome. something we saw against LSU. Uh, he's able to uh, you know, drop the ball into the receiver's hands with a parachute and make it look natural. It doesn't matter if he's flat-footed in the pocket or he's on the move, rolling out, uh, scrambling. Uh, you know, he is, uh, He's a guy with just so much natural ability. And it, you know, I'm eager to see the film because the box score doesn't look pretty. He had three interceptions. Uh, you know, obviously Utah State got blown out. Yep. Uh, but there was a, I think it was just a simple post route uh, in the first quarter where the receiver dropped the ball. Looked like it was going to be a, a touchdown. Um, he had moments where he he showed off that natural talent. Uh, he needs to get better with his decision making. No question about it. Uh, needs to better understand what the defense is showing pre-snap. Uh, how to change his progression reads post-snap. Um, but I agree with you. He's fascinating because all the raw talent is there. And, you know, you see a guy that, uh, you know, like you said, he's he's dealing with a new coaching staff. He's dealing with nine new starters on uh, the offensive side of the ball for Utah State this year. And he's he's still able to be productive. He's still able to do some things. And I've heard nothing but positive things about him as a person, um, the way he carries himself. He's really mature. Um, the coaches really rave about him as as a learner and a guy that uh, you know really puts in the time uh, in the film room and practice. And so, I think he is a legit contender to be a top ten pick and no in that mix of the top quarterbacks that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I watching him. I and I watched him kind of back to back with uh, with Herbert and with Tua and so with some of these other big quarterbacks. He to me, he's in that discussion with those guys, and it will be if he were to declare for this draft. Uh, you throw and, in guys. One like, other, sorry, ahead. one other note. He uh, he is on pace to graduate. Yep. In December, so yep. we're talking about a guy that if he if he does come out, he will have a Senior Bowl invite, and if he decides to go to Mobile, if Herbert goes or he decides not to go could be a big opportunity for Love to go down there to Mobile and show what he has uh, in an, a setting like that. Yeah, that will be a huge, huge storyline if that were to happen. Uh, late December, early January, we'll, we'll get a better idea of where those two guys are at. Well, uh, Dane, I'm going to send you out on one final question. Uh, you mentioned John, High, John Hightower earlier as a guy that you know we're not really talking about, but it could go high, could go 70, top 75. Is there a player that we're, we're not talking about right now in mock drafts as a first-round pick? But will be you know we'll say right around combine time in the mid spring. Uh, who are we talking about that could be a first round pick that we're not discussing right now? 
Yeah, I think a few months ago, I think Jordan Love would have been the answer, mm. but I think most know about him now as, yep. as being a legit top 10 possibility. Um, I think Sean Wade, who we just talked about, yeah. he makes sense because he is so talented and he's ascending right now at the right time. Uh, a few other names, Wake Forest, pass rush, uh, Carlos Basham, he yep. could be that guy. He's been a nightmare for blockers to slow down. Um, Washington tight end Hunter Bryant, I think he has a shot. Mm. Uh, his game lacks uh, consistency that you want to see, but he's going to test really well. I mean, he's we're got talking about there. Evan Ingram, Noah yep. Fan, yeah, he, exactly. He's going to test like that type of athlete. And so if he stays healthy this year, which that's been the big issue, and you just want to see him make uh, be more productive uh, when the throws aren't perfect. You know, help out his quarterback a little bit. And that's something we haven't seen enough from him. But if he's able to do that the second half of the year, we could see him rise. And then one other player I wanted to mention, Alex Leatherwood. It's, it's hard mm. to be an Alabama left tackle and be underrated. But that's how it feels. Uh, he has some dominant tape out there. And I think this class has three tackles with a chance to be big-time players. Uh, most know about George's Andrew Thomas and Iowa's Tristan Wirfs. I don't think Leatherwood's that far behind those two guys. Mm. And you know, we'll know more by the time we get to combine time. But I think Leatherwood belongs in that conversation. Well, Dane, as always, appreciate the time here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Uh, before we know it, we'll be seeing each other, my friend. Thank you for once again joining us here. We'll talk to you soon. Anytime. Thanks, Fran. Well, outstanding stuff there, as expected, from Dane Brugler. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler. Now, let's transition to the next part of the show with Tony Pauline, who is very close to the New York Jets, covers that team, is a, a, a very avid follower of that team. I don't think Tony was one of the guys that got sacked this weekend, but uh, a, a guy that we will definitely talk to now about some of the top players around college football. Let's get to it now on Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Well, joining us once again here on Draft Buzz on the Journey to the Draft podcast, none other than the legend himself, and that is Tony Pauline from the Pro Football Network. You can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Tony Pauline. Tony, welcome back. Let's get right to it. Uh, let's take us through the grapevine here. What is the, the latest off the wire around the country when it comes to the NFL draft? Well, you know, Fran, we've had some bad news recently as far as the offensive tackle positions concerned with Walker Little and the injury and potentially Tristan Wirfs uh, leaning towards staying in school at this point. But what I'm hearing is both Georgia tackles, the left tackle, Andrew Thomas, and very likely the right tackle, Isaiah Wilson, are going to enter the draft. I've been told outright Andrew Thomas is going to enter the draft when the season ends. And makes sense. I mean, they're going to lose their quarterback. They're likely to lose their uh, running back, DeAndre Swift. And Andrew Thomas, I believe, is going to be a top 20 selection. A lot of people not talking about Isaiah Wilson, though they should. Coming in, He's the right tackle. Coming into the season, I graded him as a potential late first-round pick. I was really impressed with what I saw from him off of his redshirt freshman season. And if you watch Georgia this year, Isaiah Wilson missed two and a half games because of a bad ankle. He missed the first half of that Notre Dame game where they had their guard, who's actually a freshman playing right tackle, and Notre Dame was getting all their pressure off the right side. Wilson came in in the second half, and that is when that game turned around because he was able to basically plug up the right side of that offensive line where Notre Dame was running through like it was a sieve because there were so many open holes. Mm. I think Isaiah Wilson's a terrific prospect. Not going to be uh, graded as high as uh, as Andrew Thomas. May not be a first-round pick, but I think if he enters the draft, he's a second-day selection. And for what I'm hearing right now, very good chance he's going to make the leap. Very interesting. Well, let's uh, let's hear now who has helped themselves. We get we hear from you every single week in terms of a player that has helped boost their stock. It's our stock up question. Who is that player this week for you? 
you got to like Jonathan Greenyard, the uh, pass rusher, edge rusher from Florida. I mean, he started off hot against Miami, and he just keeps turning it on. I mean, this week against Auburn, only the stats are deceiving. Six tackles and three quarterback hurries. But as I said, those quarterback hurries might as well have been sacks because he was constantly penetrating the offensive line. He was constantly having the quarterback Knicks move from the pocket or move up or move his feet. He was a disruptive force. You got to like what you see from this guy who didn't play football uh, in 2018 when he was at Louisville because of a bad wrist. He does it standing up. He doesn't do a bad job when he's used in space. He's got uh, one interception this year. But the constant pressure up the field and the relentlessness really from the start of the season I think has has helped uh, Jonathan Greenyard's draft stock. And he was graded by many scouts as a third-round pick coming into the season. How high do you think uh, he could go? You want to see what his true measurables are. Yep. I, I mean, I I think top 45 is a, is an absolute possibility. Maybe late first round. If he continues to play the way he's doing, goes to the senior bowl, shows well in those one-on-one drills, and then has a good, uh, has a good uh, pro day workout or combine workout, I don't think you can dis- discount him uh, from, a, from ending up in the late part of round one, considering that, number one, he was highly rated by scouts coming into the year. And he's really played beyond expectation. Well, let's go from the SEC. We heard for about th- three SEC players to start the interview. Let's t- now go to a smaller school. What's a small school prospect, uh, a name that we should be keeping an eye on here moving forward through the process? You know, this guy wasn't even mentioned by scouts coming into the season, but keep an eye on Kevin Davidson, the quarterback out of Princeton. Mm. Has outstanding size at six foot three, 220 pounds, has an NFL arm. He's completing more than 74% of his passes right now, 10 touchdowns and just a single interception. He barely played last year because John Lovett was the starting quarterback at Princeton. John Lovett is now, I believe, on the practice squad for the Kansas City Chiefs as a developmental tight end. He got in a few ga- he got in one game last year. He did very well. He's really taken the bull by the horns, and he's really made the most of his opportunity. Does he get drafted? I don't know. But I got to suspect we're going to see him in the postseason at maybe the Shrine game or absolutely the NFL PA game if he continues on this pace. I mean, even though it's the Ivy League, when you're completing close to 75% of your throws and, and your, your touch, touchdown to interception ratio is 10 to 1, you know, that's going to raise the eyes and that's going to raise the interest of NFL teams. And certainly we've seen our share of Ivy League quarterbacks that have gone on uh, to play in the NFL. Tony, uh, matchup to watch for this week. Obviously another big weekend of college football on the horizon. What's an individual matchup you're excited to see uh, as you're sitting back and watching the games unfold? Somebody that you've talked about in the past, cornerback Jace Whitaker uh, going up against Washington and their quarterback Jacob Eason as well as their receiver Aaron Fuller. You know, Whitaker's played better and better. He's a good He's a good cover guy. People question his speed, but you look at him this year, three interceptions. He's got uh, four pass breakups. Really, teams are starting to stay. Uh, quarterbacks are staying away from him and throwing in the in the opposite direction. This could be one of his toughest tests of the season. Jacob Eason is playing good. A little bit inconsistent early on, but I think the past couple of games, he's kind of leveled off, throwing, uh, completing just about 67, 66% of his throws. Aaron Fuller, a late-round guy, a smaller guy, averaging six receptions a game, uh, 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 almost 90, yard, uh, 90 yards per reception. He's got four TDs. He's the kind of guy that could give Jace Whitaker fits because he's a quick route runner that knows how to separate. I think it's a big test for Whitaker, who continues to impress NFL scouts. 
Yeah, Tony, I, I like that matchup. It's a very interesting one, certainly out in the, in the Pac-12. I'm going to go with one in the Big Ten, and I'm excited to see Jonathan Taylor uh, go up against this Michigan State defense, namely that defensive front seven. You talk about Raekwon Williams and Kenny Willekes uh, at defensive end. You've got Joe Bocci at middle linebacker, a player that you've talked about in recent weeks. To me, Jonathan Taylor, and tell me if I'm crazy, Tony. I mean, we talked about him when we did our Big Ten preview back in the summer. I think you make the argument Jonathan Taylor is one of the best prospects in the country, regardless of position. Now, he's not necessarily going to get drafted that way, but when you look at his body of work, his skill set, I think he's going to test well at the Combine. Uh, this is a player that has proven time and time and time again, year after year, uh, that this guy has what it takes to be a very, very productive player in the NFL. Absolutely has exceeded my expectations, although really, uh, except for Michigan, who, who was down, they really haven't played anybody. This is a big test. Uh, for for Taylor and the Wisconsin Badgers, as it was for Ohio State last week yep. when they played Michigan State, and Ohio State really came through uh, glowing. Although early in the game, uh, Michigan State was able to uh, keep it close until sure. the until the Ohio State offensive line was able to take control of the game. You know, you mentioned Bocce, who's a favorite of mine. Keep an eye on Antoine, Antoine Simmons. This is a big game for Bocce because people know about Taylor's straight line speed. People question Bocce's uh, overall speed. Yep. He makes plays primarily with his head, with his instincts, rather than with his, with his foot speed. There are some people who think that Bocce could fall into the later rounds. He reminds me of the quarterback from Notre Dame a year ago, the kid that went undrafted that we both love, the inside linebacker. His name escapes me right now. Tavon Coney. There you go. Uh, same type of player in the sense that not the great uh, Bocce, the same type of linebacker in the sense that he's not the greatest athlete, but he's just a real good football player. You have to see if he's able to run down Taylor in pursuit. If he does, that's going to be a good thing. Yeah. If he doesn't, it's going to raise the red flags or the concerns that many people have about his overall speed. Yeah, the guy that I'm really interested to see in that match is Raekwon Williams. You know, we've talked about him in the past uh, over the last few weeks. He's a guy that I like as a, a kind of a, an in-between three technique, one technique. I like him more as a no shade. Uh, his ability to hold up against the run will be put to test in this game. Tony, let's rock it, wrap it up with our mock draft roundup. And this week, we're going to go with Luke Easterling of the Draft Wire. Has the Eagles selecting 25th overall. You mentioned a redshirt sophomore earlier and in, in, uh, in Isaiah Wilson from Georgia. Let's talk about another redshirt sophomore, the corner from Stanford, uh, Paulson Adebo. Where do you like him in terms of, you know, number one, uh, his value late round one? And then also, uh, is he a guy that we're talking about potentially entering the draft for this year for 2020? Stanford guys usually enter the draft. I've not heard anything hmm. specifically about Adebo. I know that their tight end is uh, really uh, Colby uh, Parkinson is, is thinking about it and could be the first tight end uh, uh, select if he enters. As far as Adebo is concerned, I've thought all along he's very overrated. A and if you go back to the film, I mean, he got hammered early in the year by Gabe Davis of uh, Central Florida. He got hammered by Isaiah Hodgkins of uh, Oregon State, a guy we spoke about last week. Now, he did play relatively well uh, in last week's game against Washington. I, I just don't know about Adebo. I think he's very unrefined in many parts of his game. He struggles making plays with his back to the ball. I question his long speed. I don't know whether he's going to be a cornerback or he may have to be pushed into safety. I want to study him more. I want to see him develop more, uh, more of a body of work. What it amounts to me is that I don't think Paulson Adebo is worth a first-round pick at this point in time. I've never thought he was worth a first-round pick. Maybe that will come down the road, but you look at the way he's played this year, especially against some top receivers, Gabe Davis, especially against Central Florida. He was getting beaten by a drum, 
And, you know, Isaiah Hodgkins, again, of Oregon State, came away. I think he had uh, 10 receptions for 62 yards and one touchdown against against the Debo. Uh, and, and he's really not even in the league of Gabe Davis. Hmm. Uh, so I think Adebo's got a ways to go before. Anyway, on my board, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rate him as a first-round selection. Very interesting stuff. Tony, appreciate the time once again here on Draft Buzz and the Journey of the Draft podcast. We will talk to you next week. Absolutely. Well, great stuff from Tony. Again, you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Tony Pauline. Uh, we talked about that. I teased him about the Jets, uh, the Jets game this past weekend. If you want a, a recap of what happened in that Eagles big win over the New York Jets, and if you want a preview of this week's matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, make sure you tune in to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. I was joined by Greg Cosell from NFL Films just breaking down uh, what we saw from fi- from the film in that game. Preview that matchup. A lot of fun as we do as we have each and every week over on that show. So make sure you check it out over on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast wherever podcasts can be found. All right, let's transition now into my notes on Texas wide receiver Devin Duvarnay. It's time for a scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. That's the sound of my notes on Texas wide receiver Devin DuVarnay, a guy that uh, I watched. You know, the, Colin Johnson was the big name coming into the year and was in mock drafts and things like that. Big, oversized receiver. So I said, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch Colin Johnson. Oh, they got another senior receiver, this other kid on the other side uh, who's been a starter. Let me watch him as well, Devin DuVarnay. Watch both. I, I do like Colin Johnson. They're different kinds of players, but. I really liked Devin DuVarnay and what he brought to the table. So I thought, you know what, let me share uh, some of my notes with him because he's really blown up this season. has been very productive so far for the Longhorns. What ended up being on the Senior Bowl watch list uh, late in the summer, just before the preseason. This guy was a track star in high school at the 6A level, by the way, at the state of Texas. Uh, Big-time track athlete, uh, and that speed does show up on the football field. He's been a two-year starter now for Tom Herman in that offense. Lined up primarily in the slot so far this year, but it was an outside receiver. Lined up primarily to the left side last year, opposite of Colin Johnson. But I like that he's seeing more reps inside this year. I think he's a more natural fit between the numbers. Um, Short, but he's got a stocky frame. uh, Pretty big hands for the position. Catches the ball naturally. We'll get to that in a bit. I think overall, this kid is a solid athlete for the wide receiver position. He was a deep threat for the Longhorns last year. He's got speed to work vertically in the NFL, and it shows up really at the second and third level. He's not like in the first five yards, wow, you know, it was shockingly explosive, but that buildup speed over 10, 15, 20 yards is very impressive. Uh, he's got the feet to defeat press coverage, uh, something to work with there in his base, and he does a really nice job attacking the vertical stem uh, as a route runner. He's got some savvy there, namely when he's working to get a defender's hips. He's always trying to get those hips flipped uh, and get to, get to one side, get into the blind side of the DB and break opposite. He's got the wiggle and shake to throw some sauce at the top of the route there and create some separation, and I like that he's got the ability to work over the middle of the field. Again, he's shown that so far this season, uh, working between the hashes. You saw that in the LSU game. Some of the tough catches he made over the middle was very, very impressive. He didn't have any uncontested drops last year. Uh, so drops where you know maybe they were outside of his frame or he took a hit or he had to go up and make a contested grab. Anything that was inside the strike zone, he pulled it in. So he was automatic in those situations. It was great to see. Very reliable hands overall, although in a small sample size last year. As a senior this year, thought he showed really improved yards after catch. I mean, he was always really competitive. That was one of the things I liked about him last year. You know, he shows up as a blocker, as a crack player, come down and mix it up with defensive backs. But his competitiveness now is transitioning to his yards after catch ability. And you saw some of the big plays he was able to pull off 
against LSU in that big game back. I want to say it was in week three. Uh, his effort with the ball in his hands, his competitiveness really showed up, and he's got the juice to bust a big run at any given time. Uh, I Right now, from a negative standpoint, I'd like to see him get a little bit better with his hands against the jam. I did say that he's got the feet to work with. You'd rather have good feet than good hands because you can always teach hand usage. I'd like to see him get a little bit better there. He's not going to be a contested catch weapon at his size. So you have to understand his usage. Um, and often, I also I just want to see... Does he have that ability to track the deep ball? I thought that the quarterback there, Sam Ellinger, didn't always lay it out for him and give him a chance to play the ball in the air down the field last year, and he's being more being used more as a quick game guy this season. So, you know, can he be that deep threat in the NFL? That will be a little bit of a question going forward. But he was used on jets and screens and gadget plays uh, so far this season. He's got that versatility. And for me, watching him, and though especially with his build. He kind of reminds me almost as a poor man's Debo Samuel, who I talked about a lot on this show last year, ended up being an early second-round pick. I actually think that DuVernay can fit into a similar kind of role for an NFL team, especially in an offense like that Shanahan tree, you know, with what he's able to do from a yards-after-catch standpoint. Uh, He can line up inside-outside. Uh, from what I wrote from his final, just the, the overall summary, I don't think that he'll be viewed as kind of a, even as a number two or number three passing threat in an NFL offense, but he's got tools, and I love what he does as a blocker. He's competitive. He can make plays after the catch. I think if he can prove himself on special teams, this should be a rock-solid number four wide receiver in the NFL, uh, a guy that, you know, again, you necessarily you don't necessarily want him as your number two guy, not a number one threat, but will play in the NFL and should stick for a long time. I mentioned the comparison to a Debo Samuel. That's kind of how I view Devin DuVarnay, a very impressive player uh, that I've had a lot of fun studying over the course of the last few months. But uh, all right, let's wrap this show up with a question from you guys at home. Let's get to Draft Mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. All right, so like I said at the top of the show, again, as always, rate, review and if you don't if you're listening to this on uh philadelphiaeagles.com or the eagles mobile app or on youtube go and just hit the subscribe button wherever podcasts can be found if you've got a smartphone you've got a, a podcast app just go in there search for journey to the draft hit subscribe and you'll get the show each and every week and if you throw us a little bit of a rating and a review we really appreciate it if you leave a question we'll answer it here on the show this week this week's question comes from richard who left a five-star review and a review on our apple podcast page uh what role this is an interesting question what role do the parents of these players play, specifically when it comes to the management of injuries? Are the players allowed to have evaluations by private physicians? Do parents have any say in if a player sits out or when they are ready to play again? So multi-layered question, and I don't want to claim that I'm an expert on the subject. So if I say something wrong and then somebody else uh, that's listening has better info than me, please feel free to chime in. But I will say from uh, my time covering it and from my time being uh, inside a college football program, Yeah, parents do have a little bit of a say, especially when it comes to getting second opinions and things like that. Uh, You will see that from time to time. We've seen big name players uh, over the course of the last few seasons. You know, if they have an injury, the parents become, you know, the family becomes involved and they say, hey, we want to get a second opinion at this surgeon or this specialist uh, that might be in a different state, a different part of the country. You will see that from time to time. As far as when they can go back onto the field, that's a, that's a little bit of a different story. There's a little bit more uh, that goes into it from that standpoint. Obviously, the coaching staff and the training staff, they're going to have a lot more of an input uh, from that standpoint. Um, so, yeah, parents are definitely uh, definitely involved, uh, some more so than others, and you see that from time to time. Uh, you look around the league, and you're going to see that around college football. You're going to see that. Uh, but, yeah, parents definitely do have a little bit to say. Uh, the players have the freedom. If they want to be able to go and see a specialist, they certainly can. 
the things that where it gets a little bit hairy, and we've seen this uh, in the past. There was the corner uh, last year, Jamel Dean from Auburn. You know, he goes to Ohio State as a high school recruit, fresh out of high school, shows up, and he had knee injuries in high school. Well, he shows up to Columbus, and the doctors they wouldn't pass him. They said, you know, your knee, your knee's not going to pass. Uh, your physical, we're not going to clear you to play. You can't practice. So he actually said, all right, well, if I can't play here, they wanted him to stay, and you can stay on scholarship, but you're you can't play football. Well, he transferred out, got a second opinion, ended up being okay. He actually injured his knee again at Auburn, but ended up eventually playing and was a good player for them last year and ended up being drafted. So those kinds of things do happen where you get that second opinion, you go elsewhere and you can play. Um, that's obviously a very extreme case. But uh, yeah, like I said, I have a little bit of info on that subject. If you've got, if you've got more at home, I'd be interested to hear from you. Uh, make sure you go in and give us that rating. Leave us a review. You can leave uh, your comments there in the comment section. All right, that'll do it again. Loaded show. Excited for another big week of college football. We will see you next year, or next week right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast.